This is Give Me Some Truth, a podcast from Walkner Condon Financial Advisors in Madison, Wisconsin. Give Me Some Truth is dedicated to providing an accessible and authentic view into the financial services industry, as well as current events and investment concepts that you can apply in your day-to-day life. You gotta leave your money behind you. Raise your hand to the sky. Welcome back to Give Me Some Truth. Today, we're going to discuss something a little bit different. Uh, Nate and I have been going through the hiring process, and we'll go through a little bit more about uh, what we've gone through and some tips that some prospective employees uh, could follow. And then before we do that, though, we have to play something uh, for you because this is one of my favorite lines of this movie. Looks like you've been missing a lot of work lately. I wouldn't say I've been missing it, Bob. (laughs) Good one. Oh, that's terrific, Peter. Love it. Office Space, one of the greatest movies of all time. I'll say greatest one half of a movie of all time. The second half doesn't hold up. Yeah, right. Well, right. And it's somewhat understandable because the first half was so good. But for anybody that's ever worked in an office setting, it's fantastic. It's, it's fantastic. It's because it's so close, close to true. Right. Yes. And it's timeless. It was like, what, 20 years ago that it came out? Yeah, and I'm it's the same thing. When did now. it come out? I'm guessing, let's see, I'm, I'm trying to think about the soundtrack, which is also phenomenal. I'm going with 1995. Ooh, 1999. Okay. Yeah, but but still, uh, just a, a, a phenomenal uh, movie about him, uh, you know, office and, and, and employment. And it's just, it's fantastic. 20 so, year anniversary now. It was 20 year anniversary. It's a good point. That right? also means that I graduated in 99, which is a little weird for me because I'm going, that's yeah. 20 years ago. Right. Yeah. You, know, you look around now and you just say, first of all, the time does go fast. You know, it's a trite thing to say, but the time does go fast. And secondarily, you're like, wow, I've been out of school for like 20 years. So I'm glad I don't have to go back though. Mm-hmm. Or at least I don't think I'm ever right. going to go back. It's weird because when you think about it, like, like the, the, uh, um, as time goes by and the kind of landmarks that people miss, like 18-year-olds this year were not alive when 9-11 happened. That's true. Like think about that. Like, like adults right now were not alive. I mean, it would be September of this year. But still, yeah, I mean, this year, there will be adults that were not alive when 9-11 happened. That's insane. Isn't that crazy I to think, think about, about where you're right. like, wow, 18 years has gone by since... You know, and almost an enti- well, it is an entire generation. I don't know. We, we've talked about this before, how they measure generations, but it has to be less than 18 years, right? I would hope so, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would say that a new generation's probably got to be 16 years or something sure. like that, because conceivably somebody could have right. had a child at 16 or something. You know. So think so. about so think about like that that concept of like these people were not alive. It's such a crazy thing to think about. Like they'll, they'll only know it on video and things like that. It's such a weird thing to like. And until you live certain things, you don't understand how it all impacted right. us. Because right. I think that we go back and and sometimes I think in some pieces of history, nine eleven is minimized, and in some it's it's it isn't. But um, you know, if you didn't spend time studying or researching it, or don't have your parents to tell you what all happened during that period of time, what impact it really had on all of our lives, um, you know, you would think of it as just kind of a, a footnote that you read. Right. Right. You know. And, and it, 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 that happens in every kind of point within history. I mean, there was obviously there was a point where people said, "Oh my God, people, it's 18 years since World War II ended." I mean, so I mean, these things happen as history goes on. But still, it's it's a, it's kind of interesting when you think about it in that way. But the uh, the impetus for the employment conversation is what Clint Walkner. Well, first of all, when is the last time you went out and interviewed for a job? Hmm. Uh, it would have been 2002. 
Yeah, either 2002 or 2003. Mortgage Loan Officer, UW Credit Union, right? Or no, Financial, financial specialist, specialist, UW Credit UW Union. UW Credit Union. Uh, and for me, it was uh, 2004 um, when I got the job with UW Credit Union. So that's the last time I interviewed. So we've interviewed over the course of opening our business. Um, and it's, it's very enlightening every time we do interviews. And this time we used uh, a new tool. We used ZipRecruiter. Uh, for what position? For what position? An administrative assistant position. So we're looking at hiring a part-time administrative assistant. And to lay all my cards on the table here, um, one of the flaws that I have as an individual, and I've learned this through <laughs> through Nate and my, my wife, Courtney, uh, is that I like to hire uh, people that I just think of as being a little bit more like myself. I'm like, hey, I do some marketing. I do some analytical stuff. You can mash the two together and have it be a great position. And lo and behold, when you ask for an office manager position and you ask them to do both creative and analytical stuff all together, um, oftentimes the candidate doesn't, or the employee at the time doesn't like doing both jobs. Um, and so they do one job really well and they detest the other piece of their job. Uh, so, you know, I've learned that over time. Thank you, Courtney. Thank you, Nate. And uh, so now we're trying to hire a little bit more for an administrative position, starting out as a part-time, uh, likely going to a full-time role. And so as a result of that, we put our, our uh, job post up on ZipRecruiter. So kind of the new monster, I guess. It goes out to a whole bunch of different job boards, in my understanding. And lo and behold, we received like 65 to 70 applicants when it was all said and done a few through facebook well beyond what we thought and a, yeah and a bunch through well zip recruiter and i, I th- still I get, we'd it. get what 15 maybe exactly yeah and so you know the whole thing with that is that uh, you know we're meeting a bunch of candidates now and there are some things that get people in interview because you know, not all 65 we're going to interview we'd, we'd drive ourselves crazy but um you know we call out of that uh what we consider to be the best candidates uh, and then we do a first interview right now. We're at the end really of the second interview process and we, we hope to be making an offer sometime this week, uh, to that individual. But, and I think we have it identified one. I'm not sure. Uh, there's, there's another interview or two to go. So, uh, but in there, there's some definite things that we can pull out of the interviews and the application process that hopefully people that are looking for a job can, uh, see where an employer is looking for. And we're trying to be as transparent as possible about what will get you to the front of the line. So, um, number one for myself, you know, as you have 65 different people, you have to stand out some way. And one of the ways that candidates have standed, have stood out is, uh, taking some time to make your resume look good on paper. So uh, that is to me, one of the easiest ways that you can improve your resume quality and make you stand out. And there are templates now where you can just do that. I mean, it's literally plug and play on a lot of these. And I can't tell you how many of the resumes that we had that just look like an MS-DOS, you know, like I got in a Word program and I spent a little bit of time doing bullet points and it's not organized in a thoughtful way. And not everybody is creative in this manner, but I think if you started with a template and built off of that, you can really make your resume look nicer and that was one that stood out to me that's the easiest way to improve your resume standing uh, for when somebody isn't a bot looking at apps. You know, if you have a physical person looking at the apps, um, you know, that having your resume uh, be perhaps a little bit different color, be formatted a little bit differently, just formatted in a nice manner that's pleasing to the eye, uh, a different way that you can put out your objective, things like that. I saw a, a bunch of different resumes that. Uh, really were laid out nicely and 
having a picture on the resume, I think really helps, um, because, you know, it gives some personality to the situation, uh, and make sure that, you know, you see somebody, they're smiling. You, you immediately feel good when you see that person rather than having, uh, nothing on the page, um, and no, no sort of, uh, personality to it. Yeah, we're we're glossing over what's what should already be known, but we'll say it. I mean, obviously, you can't have any grammatical errors, you can't have any spelling errors, um, which we saw a bunch which of we as well. Saw, yeah, so, I mean, that's that, that's bad. It'll never go away, and, and those people immediately get get thrown out. I, I mean, maybe maybe not immediately, but I mean that that's you're you're at a minimum you're immediately putting yourself you know in in an O two count, and and uh, you know you're just trying to, to to dig out of it at that point, and, and what's why do that to yourself when you don't need to, right? So when you get 65, like we got, um, you have to be able to kind of get through them quickly and understand that you're only trying to find five or 10. So that's the point that Clint's making here is how do you, how do I, how do you kind of differentiate yourself knowing that when you apply for the job, um, you're probably going to be up against 20, 30, 50, 100 different candidates depending on the job. And so you have to understand that when you do your resume that you are going to be up against those people and the kind of the the rules have changed a little bit. I think most people have gotten past the whole idea that every resume should look exactly the same. I know, you know, 10, 15 years ago, that was frowned upon to kind of go too far outside the box because then you almost looked a little bit like, okay, what's this person trying to do? And it kind of was almost looked at as a negative. Now I think it's looked at as, um, again, within reason, I mean, you have to be careful with it because there's, there's a point at which, you know, you can, you can, it can just be weird, you know, and then, and then putting like a lot of weird soft skills on your resume. That's, that's a little weird. Yeah. I did see a little bit of humor on more resumes and I, I appreciated that when I was reading through it, a little bit of levity to it. Right. Um, I still, maybe I'm weird, but I don't know what you think, Nate, when, when you read a cover letter, do you, do you spend time looking at cover letters really i would say that i only want to see a cover letter if it's actually going to say something yeah if it's I, going to say something that the resume is not going to say th- then okay but those would be few and far between because yeah. what what are you really going to say i think that unless you make a compelling story that's really personalized to the company i i really don't think that cover letters do a lot of good and i i frankly they didn't for me as you know, as kind of the first line in the hiring process here, I, I didn't really think that the cover letters added anything to me. Again, know, it has to you be, you, there's, there has to be some tangible reason as to why that's being written. And it can't just look like it's being written just to have a cover letter. And that's the problem is that 90% of them are just written to say, here's my cover letter that I think needs to go along with this. It's it's not needed. It's not necessary. It's, it's, it's kind of a, because it's clear that you're just kind of making not necessarily making stuff up, but you're just trying to put some words on paper to be able to say that you have a cover letter. Mm-hmm. It's kind I of think silly, one opinion. candidate too uh, ended up putting that she had uh, proficiency in the Microsoft Office suite. We found out as we had the conversation that her friend helped her with her resume and just threw it on there because she thought it would sound good. Uh, <laughs> that that's not a good not a good thing if you don't have proficiency. And we saw this actually with a with a previous employee of ours. She wrote down in a resume that she had uh, experience using uh, Adobe Photoshop, and we're like, okay, uh, so, you know, now after, now after we, being hired, after being hired, and we're like, so you want to just uh, do this project in Photoshop? I think we could just do this and take this out. And she's like, well, I I like opened the program in a class once and like did <laughs> right. one little project, and she never actually did any work on it. So and that's not not uncommon. I mean, that's not that's not. Uh, that's not pointing out a, uh, um, you know, an outlier by any means. I think that's that's way more common than we realize is that people put things on the resume that 
are not necessarily whole truths. And you got to be careful doing that, especially when it comes to like software packages and technology, because if you get called out on that or if somebody says, okay, you know, here's the program, show me what you can do. You know, you should probably have, have, uh, it'll get found out very quickly if you get put in that situation that you don't actually know what you're doing. Yeah, I would just leave it off. Don't put it in there. Yeah. Right. Proficient means, hey, you can use the software. Right. Uh, you know, and you're not just opening it up for the first time trying to figure it out. Uh, additionally, I will say that you had a family member, Nate. We won't divulge which family member, but um, used to put on their resume uh, attended school. And now I'm really, I'm really hip to that now. I understand when somebody hasn't finished with a degree because they put right. they attended. Attended means you attended. It doesn't mean you finished, and it doesn't tell you how long they attended. It just right. says that they attended. So it's not it's not incorrect, but at the same time, be careful with that if you're looking at uh, hiring somebody or if you're a candidate. I mean, that that is one that's, you know, again, got to be careful with those kind of gray area things. I was a little dumbfounded at the fact that we had multiple candidates show up late. You know, that, yeah, that is just... And, and late, late. Not, again, not the whole, like, you should be 15 minutes early or whatever. I mean, this was like, you need to be here at 9, and, and it was after 9 o'clock. It was. That was surprising to me. Uh, and then no apology from them either when they walked in late. Uh, I heard, hey, I was walking around the building or whatever, and I was like, hey, you know, if you don't know where you're going, show up 15... That's the whole point of being 15 minutes early. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah. I mean, in my, in my regard, if you're not here five minutes early, you're basically late anyways. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got to show that you, you want the position. Um, I was, so those are some of the bad thing. I'll, I'll mention some of the good things that we saw from some of these candidates. Um, number one, uh, you know, these candidates are showing up that they have consumed our blogs, they have consumed our podcasts and they can actually call back particular episodes. Um, you know, one, one, of our candidates mentioned cognitive, cognitive dissonance, which was one of uh, Mitch's phrases that he used on a dentist blog that he wrote. And she had clearly read it and she brought it up very natural in conversation. It wasn't like, okay, I've got this written down on a piece of paper. It was actually committed to memory. I really appreciated that. Um, and there were a couple other notices too of our podcast and not just listening to the last episode, but listening to multiple episodes of our podcast and and one of the candidates said, hey, I read a lot of your blogs and she was able to recall some of them. So I, I really think that doing your homework goes a long way when you've got to stand out among a lot of different candidates. Um, yeah, you have to understand that that um, you know employers nowadays are are going to ask about your knowledge of the company and potentially even go to the extent of 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 asking how you would potentially change, alter. Um, um, you know, adjust the website, the the marketing, the social media output, whatever it might be. And so you should be ready to answer those questions of, because what the employer is essentially saying is, how are you going to improve my business? Exactly. And I think it's bigger for small businesses that are, you yeah. know, we need to ask those sorts of questions and know that people are involved uh, and want to be involved in our culture because culture is so big for us being a small business. We can't make a bad hire and have somebody be a poor culture fit. It's just not going to happen for us. If you're a huge fortune 500 company, maybe culture's a little less important, uh, particularly if you're considering something in a part-time role. But if you have to work as one of potentially six people in the office, I mean, we can't, we can't make a wrong decision here. Um, a couple other things that stood out to me. I don't know if you have, have any that really stood out to you during the interview process, but one of the prospective uh, candidate or one of the candidates sent us an email and it was a very whimsical email, but uh, 
and she just went for it and uh, went through it. It actually took us to task for uh, one of our podcasts that we had had, uh, particularly the July 4th one, and wrote a really funny, it was funny, but it was a very well uh, reasoned and researched email, really, that she sent us. And uh, she got an interview, and she's currently in the interview process. So I got to say that candidate, well done. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think you can, again, the, that's the, 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 um, the more kind of wide open space that, that exists now within applying for a job, you can do things like that. You still have to be careful because there is a limit. And if you cross over that limit or as Clint's alluding to, if you don't execute what you're trying to accomplish, you know, with a deft touch, you, you're, you're potentially going to immediately remove yourself from from consideration. And so you do have to be a little careful with that. I think she read it right, right? She read the type of people we were and figured that yeah. that would potentially work. It depends on how you want to look at it. Because, you know, I'm an overly critical person, so I can look at it differently. She got the song wrong. She took us to task for Born in the USA. That wasn't the song. The song that was, that was elected was Born to Run. True. So she took us to task for the wrong song. So again, it's it's you have to be careful with doing that because if you get it wrong, it can look like th- that you're just kind. Now I'm not going to hold that against her because again, it was written well, and I understand I understand the whole scope of what she was trying to do. But at the she same made a compelling time, argument for American Girl as well. I think she did right, yes. which and you know, but but to that end, and we're going to go off topic here. We had, we had other clients chime in, and we appreciated that for those that did on their songs that that got, that that. Uh, that were floated and all of them were great. You know, American pie, Don McLean, of course, you know? So, I mean, there was a lot of cool ones that were thrown out there. Um, but even just something like that, like we were saying before, knowing what the company, knowing where the company's passion lies, right? Ours lies a lot in social media and our podcast and what we put out there, understand what the company's passionate about and kind of vest yourself in that. If you're going to go interview with that company. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the things that stood out to me most in this whole process is the people that are, the best candidates for this position are the people that want to know the why and they want to be part of something bigger. And they understand that our mission is to help people every single day, uh, achieve confidence and clarity in their financial futures. And they want to be part of that mission. And it's very apparent when you get somebody talking about those sorts of things about how they can help your organization. Uh, it just helps so much. Not that I'm going to sit there and check a box and do a job and like Nate and I and John and Mitch and Keith are all going to hand you a piece of work and you're going to get it done to completion and that box is checked. That's important. But well, that's assumed. Yes. That you're going to do Exactly. That. Those are table stakes. And the next level type of person is the person that wants to grow in the role and be part of something that is a growing company that's going to achieve greatness in the future. And that's uh, those are the types of candidates that I think are, are the ones that I've been most heartened by in going through this process. I think that there are a lot of great people out there that really want to help businesses. And, you know, I, I, I've just been really impressed by that. Yeah. There's a lot of really good candidates and a lot of really, um, cool stories too, just of how people kind of got to where they got to. But again, like we said before, um, same mistakes being made, you know, again, mistakes on resumes being made, showing up late for interviews, not clearly not being prepared for an interview. Um, and I know it's easy to say, but you know, as best you can try to relax in an interview, it comes across, uh, you know, in, in, in neon colors. If, uh, you know, if, if the nerves are to the point where it's distracting, it comes through, everybody's going to be nervous in a scenario like that, obviously, but it's a little bit more being able to control, uh, the nerves. And I tend to look at it, um, as a, as a level of preparedness, right? I think that nerves go down and people react better 
if you are prepared for something um, and, and, and have kind of a, a, a confidence going into it, um, kind of anything that we tend to do as humans where we're more prepared, we're going to be less nervous about that thing, right? If it requires sitting in front of a mirror and kind of rehearsing answers back and forth to yourself, whatever it is, get to that level of somewhat of comfort because otherwise it's going to, it's going to be super clear that you are really, really nervous and that's going to affect the interview for sure. hundred percent agree. And what do you also think about, I think I might have a different take than you do on this. Do you feel like some of the candidates were oversharing, you know, in certain things? Do you think that that's, that's an issue or do you think, are you totally fine with kind of reaching that edge of, of kind of oversharing sort of information? Yeah. Like I, personal, you know, kind of more private personal things that came on some of these interviews. Do you, what do you think about that? Yeah. I, I appreciate the honesty. Um, I, I like when people, I, I like genuine people. I mean, it's kind of an obvious statement, but, but I really, really put a huge emphasis on people that are genuine and kind of, you know, just be who you are, um, and kind of own what you are, both pros and cons. And I think that that's where there's value in an, in an interview. When I see somebody that is genuine, not only to their strengths, but genuine to their weaknesses as well. Um, but again, that is a, an area where you have to be a little careful because that can bleed into, um, a level of, of, um, personal disclosure that, that probably shouldn't come out in an interview necessarily. Um, but again, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with straddling that line a little bit and I'll mm -hmm. give somebody, um, credit if they even tiptoe over that line, because I know they were going there to try to be genuine and try to give a genuine answer to a question that might have, have, um, kind of brought up something in their past that was maybe a little bit more personal than they should have shared in an interview. Cause I know it came from a genuine place mm -hmm. as opposed to, and this is again, is where you have to be careful with it. This thing happened to me in my past. This will be, um, valuable in an interview. So I'm going to drop this into an interview that'll get seen through. Uh, we'll see through that in two seconds that you're just using this kind of weird previous personal story to try to kind of score points. And th then, then I'm going to, I'm going to immediately, you know, kind of discount you as a candidate then. Yeah. So if you're going to use personal stuff, you have to be careful that it's used in such a way where it makes sense and is not just dropped in as a way of being able to kind of score, um, you know, sympathy points or whatever it might be. Yeah. I love the authenticity of a lot of the candidates we've seen and I, I appreciate them sharing some, some quite personal things with us. And for me, that's not really a negative unless that's, unless the situation's super negative and they handle it in a terrible way, but you generally don't hear that. You know, I, I think that there is a line. Uh, I think that when you consider what you want to say, you should take a moment to, to make that consideration. But in many cases, sharing it as long as it's more of a, a thing that's turned into a positive is, is a positive for yourself. Um, and I also, I also think that during this whole process, you know, it is preparedness, it is authenticity. And it's also a situation where if you don't know the answer to a question immediately, taking a moment to collect yourself and be able to consider the options, uh, without going through some sort of, uh, stammering, you know, give the BS answer in the beginning and then try to figure out or restate the question back to them and, you know, do some sort of delaying tactics or, or ticks of umming and eyeing and liking and all this stuff before you say what you actually mean. There's nothing wrong with collecting yourself for a second, considering the question at hand 
and then giving a good answer after that. Uh, I think that that's one of the things too that I've learned in this whole process. If I ever had to interview again, that would be one thing that I would do is consider the fact that if an interviewer is actually good, they're going to ask you a question that kind of stumps you. And you just need to take a moment to think about it. And if you don't have to have an immediate great answer, let the answer come to yourself in considering things for a few seconds. And in an interview, that's hard, though, because you want to you want to say something that's really witty and strong and great right away. Well, again, that's where the nerves come in. The nerves will 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 prompt you to talk faster than you should and quicker than you should because you're not prepared with kind of an answer or that you can then take that second like you're referring to recall that answer and then deliver that answer if you haven't thought of that answer prior to the to the interview then you're going to be nervous you're going to just start talking and you're just going to kind of ramble out an answer and so again that's an, it's a lack of preparedness in my opinion and it's a lack of kind of understanding that you're going to be asked questions along this line and you need to somewhat have an answer kind of in, in the in, in your mind and the, the last thing i'll touch on before we wrap up here is and I know this is easier for some people than it is for others, but um, if you're in an interview, tell a story, paint pictures. Um, those are always helpful. Uh, have multiple stories if possible that, that relate. Again, you have to be careful with that because if it's too big of a stretch, it's going to look like you're just stretching a question to try to get to some kind of prepared story answer. But have a few of these kind of things that have happened to you in your life that you can recall, that you can go to. That's really what tells us or shows us um, as interviewees um, that you have a kind of that genuine quality. So if, if if you're if you're if you're the interviewee and you're the one that's receiving the questions, if you can answer the question in a story that makes sense, that's really what you want to try to do. Because then we kind of get to to know your situation. But again, it's a slippery slope. You have to be a little careful there. If somebody says, "Name to me like." If you could do something different in your life, what would it be? You know, the answer probably shouldn't be, you know, well, that time that I got arrested for public urination in college because I was, you know, again, like that's not the right answer. Yes, it's a story. That's good. Way too personal. You know, don't draw that level of negative, but you might want to say something like, hey, this thing happened to me in my past. It's something I learned from. I, I, you know, I haven't made that mistake again, and I'm actually happy that it happened to me because it, it allowed me to see the effect of, of this action of, of uh, you know, what it, what it meant to me. And because of that, I'm at this new place. That's really what we're looking for. So I hope this was helpful. Really, it's a little bit of an offshoot for us. Um, but, but we were thinking, hey, if there's people that are interviewing or are interviewing uh, for a job or people that are interviewing to hire somebody, um, this could be a kind of a cool topic from some of the things that we've learned. So hopefully we'll be back to you shortly with uh, an announcement of who we hired. So thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon. you got to leave your money behind you. Raise your hand to the sky. Advisory services are offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Clint Walkner, Nate Condon, Jonathan Jordan, Mitch DeWitt, and Keith Boniwaz are investment advisor representatives of Walkner Condon. Guests on the podcast are not registered, and their participation in the podcast are limited to unregistered activities and will not provide any advice that is investment-related, nor should any comments that guests make be construed as giving investment advice. Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice. You should always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, is not engaged in the practice of law. Whenever you invest, you are at risk of loss of principal as the market does 
prices fluctuate. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizon. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Long-term care, estate planning, insurance products, and tax advice are not offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC. Walkner Condon works on a best efforts basis and does not guarantee any results. Past performance does not represent future results. Please see walknercondon.com for additional disclosures.